If you have your Bible today, I'd like you to open with me to the New Testament book of James, if you will. James chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1. James chapter 2 and verse 1. And as you can see, we are diverging a bit from our series we've been doing the last, I don't know how many weeks, on the Ten Commandments. We finally made it to the last one, and I planned on covering it this week. Uh, but as you may have, uh, well, no doubt have heard and have seen, maybe online or uh, the news, probably talking to people, the world is kind of blowing up around us, isn't it? I mean, things are just going haywire everywhere. There's unrest, there's rioting, there's, there's all kinds of stuff. And it's been interesting just to kind of step back and take a, a, a look at things big picture-wise because all of a sudden the coverage in the news has gone from nonstop COVID-19 panic to nonstop rioting. Have you, have you noticed that? Now not very much is said about, uh, about, the, uh, about the pandemic and, and uh, all of it's focused now on the protesting and, and so on and so forth. And it's that incident, this, all this with the, the rioting and the protests, and in particular people's responses to it, that really prompted this message. Of course, each of us has an opinion about these things, but I'm not here to preach my opinion or yours. I'm here to preach the Word of God and, and try to bring that to bear on these situations. And so uh, where we're going to pick up in our text today, James is writing to a church that's struggling. Evidently, they were struggling in a couple of different areas. One area they were struggling with, evidently, they were going through a time of persecution and trial because he starts out his letter encouraging them during their time of trial to count it all joy, my brethren, when you go through uh, trials and, and various temptations and difficulties. But then he moves on to, um, to, to people who weren't living like they were supposed to. Now, one of James's big themes throughout his book is that your faith, if it's a real, true, authentic, saving faith, it's going to have some, some, some visible fruit. It's going to come out in the way that you live. And so he begins to apply our faith to the ways that we live. And so, again, he starts out talking about uh, count all joy when we enter into trials and, and difficulties. And then he says, uh, one of the things that will, that will come out whenever you live out your faith, when you have a real, true, authentic, saving faith, is you're going to be Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, that's a, that's a, a sermon in and of itself, uh, but we're not going to focus on that today. He also says that, that not only is that going to come out in the way that we speak, but it's also going to come out in the way that, that we speak in the sense that we will bridle our tongue. We will control our speech. And then he applies it and says that our, our faith is going to, what it's going to look like, that's what it sounds like, what it's going to look like is you're going to visit the widows and the orphans in their time of distress. And then in chapter 2... He begins to, uh, and, and, and also to keep yourself unstained by the world, that's something that we, that we often don't talk about, that's, that's that living the holy life. But then in chapter 2 he goes on and he says, um, there's something else that y'all are, are not doing right, and that is you're committing the sin of partiality. The sin of partiality. Evidently there were some people in the church, probably several of them, who are showing favoritism within the church. They, they were showing partiality in the way that they dealt with other people. So James writes to correct this, and it's here where we pick up in James chapter 2 and verse 1. Uh, again, I know I just, we just had you sit down, but if you're able to, I'd like you to stand with me to honor God's word. We'll pick up reading in verse 1. James says, My brethren, do not hold your faith in our gracious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes in, into your assembly with a gold ring, and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes, and you say, sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down by my footstool. 
Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love the neighbors yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point has become guilty of all. For he who has said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not commit murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are, who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Thank you. you may be seated. Now, one of the things that you probably have picked up on me uh, about me is I like blunt writers in the scriptures. And, and one of the things I like about it is because it's, it's short to the point and it's hard to misunderstand. And James is one of those types of writers. He just lays it out and puts it in black and white terms and says, this is the way it is. And right at the beginning of this chapter, he, he gives us a blunt command. Look at verse 1 again. He says, don't show favoritism or partiality. Don't do that. Now, if you don't get anything out of the message besides this, here's what I want you to get. Don't show partiality. Don't show favoritism because it is a sin. It is antithetical to the faith. Now, let's just kind of expand that a little bit. Look at what he says. He says in verse 1, he he uses a title for Christ that's not used a whole lot in the scriptures. He calls him the glorious Lord Jesus. Or your Bible may say, the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ. Now, uh, either way, the thrust of that is the same, and that is that Jesus Christ is glorious. Now, before we move on from that, I just want you to consider, why do you think he used that title in this context? And I think the reason that he did that may be this way. Well, I want you to use your imaginations. Imagine, if you will, you're sitting here, I'm getting ready to preach, and right as I get up to preach, that door opens... And in walks Tom Hanks. And he comes and he sits down right beside you. And then that door opens and Dolly Parton comes in and she sits down on the other side. And they sit down right beside you. What would you think? What would you feel? Oh boy! I'm going to sign my bulletin, sign my, don't do this, sign my Bible. They'd be pulling out a phone, taking selfies. And you'd be, you'd be tweeting it, you'd be putting it on Facebook, hey, look who showed up at church, and I'm sitting next to him, right? And just think how you would feel. You'd be so exhilarated, so excited that this celebrity is sitting right next to you. In fact, two of them. It's a celebrity sandwich, and you're the meat right in the middle. And you're sitting there, and you are so excited. And then imagine if you would, in your, in your joy, in your giddiness, I mean, you're stammering over your words, you don't know what to say. All of a sudden, the roof flies off the church, and down from heaven descends Jesus Christ himself in his glorified state. I mean, the, the descriptions you read in the scripture about him, eyes like brass, uh, feet like brass, and eyes like fire, and, and this unimaginable light. He's standing there with the, the nail piercings in his hands. The creator of the universe, the one who died for you, is standing right before you. Now, the Bible says that you can't look on God in all His glory and live, but let's just say for sake of argument that He preserved you through that. 
what would you feel then? Would you care about Dolly? I hope not. That's Jesus. And that's the point. He is glorious. See, before we think all of us are down here, I'm kind of up here because the celebrities are sent by me, and God's up here. But whenever God gets on the scene, God's up here, everybody else is down here. There's no distinction between the celebrities, the rich and the famous, the wealthy, and the poor man. And that's the point. Jesus is the glorious Lord. Compared to him, we're all on the same playing field. Somebody said the ground is level at the foot of the cross. The rich and the famous will get to God the same way that you and I do. And that's through Jesus alone. They'll either get to him that way or they won't get to him at all. And so, so he says, don't be showing favoritism because before God, he doesn't make a distinction. So why do you, as a Christian, make that distinction? Now, the wording that's he, that he uses here echoes what's said elsewhere in both the Old and the New Testaments, and that is that God is no respecter of persons. And probably you've, you've heard that phrase before if, if you've uh, been reading through the Bible, and, and, and maybe that's kind of... Uh, kind of ringing a bell somewhere. God is no respecter of persons. That means that, that, that if a person has money and wealth and lands, they have titles, they have all kinds of letters after their names, they have advanced degrees, they're at the top of their field in, in business. That doesn't make a lick of sense. No, not, not a lick of sense, a lick of difference to God. He is not impressed that you, ha- that you have 10,000 acres. The whole world belongs to him. He's not impressed that your bank account has lots of money in it. All the gold, the, the pavement in heaven is made out of gold. He's not too impressed with your money. He owned, you say, well, I've got 500 head of cattle. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God's not impressed with their stuff. But neither is he, does he look down on you if you don't have any of that stuff. You say, I don't have a bunch of money. In fact, I got zero. I got negative. I don't have... I don't, have a car, I don't have a fancy car. I don't have any car. I got my own two feet and a bicycle. That's it. God doesn't look down on it because of it. We're all on equal footing before God. He doesn't make a distinction. He is no respecter of persons. And so again, why then are we as people and why are we as Christians so quick to make those distinctions? And that's the point of what he's saying. Don't show partiality and favoritism. Now, James, if you'll notice the text, he moves on and gives a case study, a real-life case study that involves a rich man and a poor man that both come to church. Now, it appears that both of these guys are not part of the church. They're not members of the church. They're evidently strangers. They're uh, probably unbelievers. And they come in, and one of them is dressed to the nines. I mean, he has the fancy clothes. He has the gold ring. He has bling. I mean, he's got it all. You look out in the parking lot and he's pulled up in a stretch limo. I mean, this guy has, has it all. He has every signs of opulence and wealth. And the other is obviously a poor man. His clothes are shabby, probably has some holes in him. He might smell a little bit. And what are the reactions? Well, in, in, in the Bible here, they give the rich preferential treatment. They say to the rich man, you come sit over here. They give him the best seat in the house. Now in the Baptist church, it's right back there. The back row, right? That's the best seat in the house. But to the poor man, they don't do that. They say, uh, why don't you go stand over there? Or, oh, you, you feel like you need to 
you walked all this way, you're kind of tired, need to need to sit. How about you sit here on the floor? We don't want people to be distracted by by how shabby you look. Say, people don't do stuff like that today. Of course they do. You ever been to a church or been in a church where somebody comes in, maybe it's maybe it's a, a guest, somebody that doesn't usually come, and it's pretty full, and they try to find a seat. And they walk down the aisle, and it's real awkward because Everybody acts like they have roots growing out of their hindquarters and they're attached to the seat. They won't move because that's their seat. And so somebody is, is standing there. They've never been in, in that church, maybe never been in church at all. They, they're looking for a place to sit, and that person's planted. It's like somebody said the old, uh, if you know you're a Baptist, if your national anthem is Amazing Grace, I don't think that's a Baptist national anthem. I believe it's the old hymn, I Shall Not Be Moved. I mean, and, and they sit there. They won't scoot down three seats so you can have a they, so that person can sit down. Maybe they maybe they maybe it's full. They won't get up and say, "Here, you have my seat," and you figure out someplace else, and they figure out someplace else to sit. Well, the guest has a seat. What are they saying? You stand over there, or you sit here on the floor. It's the exact same thing as what's happening in the scriptures. Now again. I just want you to think, and I'm kind of going to extremes with celebrities and whatnot, because I want you to, I want you to see in your own mind what this is like. Let's say that it's not a, a super celebrity, Tom Hanks, Dolly Parton. Let's say it's a local celebrity. I'll say Brandon Beck. Y'all know who Brandon Beck is, right? Now, I'm sure if, if he heard me using him in a, in a sermon, he would be appalled. But we all know who Brandon Beck is, KY3 meteorologist. But we all recognize him. Let's say he walks in, and at the same time, somebody that you've never seen before, he comes in, he's got, you know, ratty, ratty uh, clothes, and, and again, probably smells a little bit, and they both come in at the same time. Who are you more likely to talk to? You're more likely to talk to Brandon Beck. You're more likely to, to, to strike up a conversation with him. And let's be honest, some of us, the only way we would talk to anybody that doesn't usually go to this church is if it's somebody that is kind of well-known. Maybe it's not because you're, you're snooty. Maybe it's because you don't feel comfortable striking up that conversation. But listen, because that person is well-known, you'll make that effort. And that's the problem. That's the problem. And so James says, don't show the partiality that you're showing. Don't show personal favoritism. Who is it you, you go out to talk to? Now, what does James say? Look at, verse, look at verse 9. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Now, I just want you to know that the example that James gives is one that is wealthy versus poor. That's not the only reason people show partiality. Some people stand aloof from others because of the other person's social status. Some people do it because of their ethnicity or their skin color. Some people, they find out they have a foreign-sounding name that I can't pronounce. I, I just can't even talk to them. Some people, they'll find out that somebody is of a different denomination than them. Well, I can't talk to those Presbyterians. Don't you know you got to dunk them instead of sprinkle them? 
Sometimes it's, it's, it's any number of things. You, I mean, people make the silliest distinctions. And they say, I will be aloof from that person. They may not make that decision. They may not make that declaration, but they still live it out. And they're showing with their, with their actions what they may not say with their words. And that is, I favor this person. I don't favor you. And James says, verse 9, that's a sin. That is a sin. That's partiality. It's a sin. But why is that a sin? In short, he talks later about the royal law. What's the royal law? Love your neighbors yourself. If you are showing partiality against somebody, you're not loving that person as yourself. And, and the, the reason, I think, is, is easy enough to see with all this because, well, look, look at what he says. He says that, he says in verse 5, we can end up despising the people that God's favored in doing this. Isn't that what he says? He says, why are you looking down on the poor man? Because hasn't God chosen the poor of, of this world to be rich in faith? Now, that's not to say that every poor person is rich in faith. That's not to say that people are going to heaven because they don't have money. That's not what is being said. But it is true that those who are poor in spirit are often those who are also poor in wallet. And the reason is, is, is pretty plain, and that is the rich, many times, they have resources. They have that, they have that ability to, to leverage situations, to leverage people, to use their sway, to use their influence. And they tend to think, well, if I can put enough money into certain people's pockets, then I can buy them off. I'll do the same thing with God. Or I'll, I'll leverage them. I'll, I, will, I will use my my negotiating skills with the Lord, the poor recognize they don't have any of that. They don't have any way to leverage anybody. They don't have any money that they can pay somebody off with. They realize that if they're going to get to heaven, it's not going to be from anything they can do. It's going to be by something that God has done. And that is the message of the gospel that Jesus has done everything that's needed for you to get to heaven. Now that's die on the cross for your sins. Somebody has said, and I thought it was a great line, he said, Do not despise those jewels of Christ that lie in the dirt. Do not despise those jewels of Christ that lie in the dirt. Sometimes the lowest people, socially speaking, are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Not because they're poor, but because they have some of the strongest faith that's out there. Another reason this is wrong besides uh, end up despising people that God has favored Another reason this is wrong is because it makes a distinction where God does, does not. And I've already mentioned this. But God does not judge on bank account. Aren't you glad? God does not judge on our looks. I'm extra glad about that. It's nothing external that impresses God. He told the prophet Samuel whenever uh, Samuel was going out to, to anoint the future king of Israel. You remember what he said? You look on the outside, you look on appearances, but I look on man's heart. Another reason this is sin is the flip side of what I said earlier, and that is that, that when we show partiality to the rich, we can sometimes end up honoring people, number one, that don't, well, don't deserve it, but number two, they reject God and persecute His people. And what that means is when we show partiality and, and respect and honor based solely on outward appearances, we can end up showing honor and respect. And I'm not talking about common civility. I'm talking about fawning over people. You, you, well, you, you know where, when that line's been crossed. 
And we can end up showing that extra favor to people who despise Jesus. They hate God. They blaspheme His name. They, they speak out against Him. They, they, they fund efforts against His standards in society. And people fall all over themselves because they're well known. Listen, we should not give honor, special honor, to people without regard to their spiritual character. Now, again, I keep referring to the, the famous, to the celebrities. The fact of the matter is, there is a 99.9, there's a 100% chance Tom Hanks will probably never walk through that door. There's about a 100% chance Dolly Parton will never walk through that door. Probably about a 99% chance Brandon Beck will never walk through that door. But listen, it's not just celebrities. It's not just the well-known and the famous. Sometimes it's, again, the wealthy. I was, uh, I was in a school doing repairs one time on computers, and I was sitting there in the library, and there was a man that was in, that, and he was talking to one of the staff members. They were talking about some project they were doing, and, and he was involved in some way. And he made the statement, and it really caught my attention, that, that many churches contact him for funds. Now, I don't know who this man was. Evidently, he had money. He could have been the, the godliest man that ever walked the earth apart from Jesus himself. I don't know. But the way that this man talked, it seemed that many of these churches would come to him so he would fund different projects, and he recognized that and didn't seem to have a whole lot of high regard for that. Listen, sometimes we can honor those people that maybe, well, again, about any celebrity that walks in, if we honor them, there's there's pretty good chance that they would be against stuff that you're for and for stuff you're against, including Jesus. And it's not just them. James says, don't show partiality. And I think some of the outworkings and, and applications of this should be self-evident, but I'm going to highlight a few just just... So we're all on the same page. First, we as a church body need to make sure we don't show partiality, especially to people that walk in those doors. We need to make sure we don't show partiality to people that come in to our church. Because those things that you can see are external, and they can be misleading. They'd be pretty on the outside and rotten to the core on the inside. And maybe it, and it could be people that's already here. Maybe they're on a different economic level than you. Maybe, again, they, they look different than you, they have a different type of job, whatever it is. But I'm talking about especially people that come in from the outside because they may be used to getting treated a certain way out in the world that should not be the case in the church. We should not treat them with favoritism for or against, not, not, not with partiality. Again, whenever people go that come through those doors, do you ever make it a point to speak to them? Or do you only make it a point to speak to them if, if they look like they have money? If they look like maybe they have similar interests of yours? Or do you treat people equally when they come in? The second application of this applies to racism and, and prejudice and bias. And I'm going to put this in terms that if you can misunderstand this, I don't know what to tell you. If you are a racist... And listen, racism is a sin that every ethnic group can commit. If they can't commit it, it's not a sin. It is a sin 
And if you are a racist, you are a sinner, that is a sin that needs to be repented of. I know many people, and probably you do too, that are otherwise solid Christians, and this is a complete blind spot for them. I mean, most of the time it's, it's, it's due to the environment they grew up in. Many times it's due to ignorance. They don't, they, they've had very limited exposure to uh, uh, other people groups. Maybe they've had bad experiences with people from other groups. And, and let's face it, some people just don't like people who don't look like them. That is a sin. And that's to be repented of. Because that is showing partiality. It's all based on externals. You don't like what I said? Read verse 9 again. If you can read black words on a white page, you can see what I'm talking about. And how needful this is for people in our country right now to remember this truth. It's easy to paint with a broad brush and lump everybody together from, from, in, in different ways. The third way this applies is to the information that we take in. Now, I have, I have seen this on social media. I've seen it in people that I've talked to and have been around when others are having a conversation. And you've probably seen this too. There are people, especially with all that's going on right now, that will turn a deaf ear and a blind eye to the actions of, of law enforcement everywhere. And they so support law enforcement... The thin blue line, they don't matter what they do, I stand behind them. And if you don't do it, you know, whatever. You ever talk to somebody like that? It's almost like a cult, isn't it? Do I support law enforcement? Absolutely. They are essential to the well-being of our country. But also recognize in doing that, that the person that wears that uniform is a fallen son or daughter of Adam, and they're sinful just like you and I are. They're not going to do perfect things. Sometimes they will abuse power. Sometimes they will make bad decisions. And it's not just, it's not just law enforcement, preachers, teachers, anybody. None of us is perfect. And if we give everybody in a certain group a pass, that's wrong. That's partiality. But likewise, there are just as many people on the other side of things, and again, using this as an example, that they won't listen to anything that the other side says because they believe everybody that wears a uniform and has a badge is a a, a racist, abusive, power-trippy thug. They're only out to get people. They're out to abuse them and to kill them and do all this stuff. That's just as much showing partiality as the other. They'll accuse people of statism and fascism and, and all sorts of things. And it doesn't matter if facts are presented, if figures don't match up with what they, with what they believe, sometimes people on, on any side of it, they say, nope, nope, nope. What is that? That's partiality to one group or another. Other people reject points of view any points of view, and again, I'm, I'm being very specific in, in my examples, but, but some people reject other points of views or ideas or arguments based on, on what part of the country somebody lives in or what group they're from. They say, well, if, if it's coming from them, I don't want to hear it. 
I'm not in that group, so I'm not going to listen. What's happening? All these people are showing partiality and favoritism. And all that's doing is keeping people on both sides from recognizing the other side has some important things, some valid things to say to the other. And when, when we turn off our ears and we stop up our ears on, on any situation, and we won't even consider what somebody else has to say, all that does is lead to a breakdown of society, and, and it, it, it prevents, in this case, healing of the nation. It hurts relationships. And partiality in any of its forms is wrong. It's wrong. You say, Pastor, you sound like you're being too political. Listen, that's what James is saying. I am doing my best to apply this in a faithful way. And I may be missing the mark. And if you think I am, I'm open to correction. But I don't think I am. Verse 9. If you show partiality, you are committing sin. That is not Jeff, that is James. It's sinful. It's sinful if it happens in a church. If you prefer one group over another group, the wealthy over the poor, the the whoever over the whoever else's. It's sinful when it's done with individuals. You shouldn't treat people differently based on external things like looks and money and all those other things. As somebody has pointed out, at the end of the game, the pawn and the king go into the same box. What does that mean? It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor, you're all going in the same place. Not, not eternally, but you're all going to die one day. You'll all end up in the same pine box. And people deserve to be treated civilly and without partiality. And when we do that, verse 8, we're fulfilling the royal law, which is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when we break that law, which is really a summation of the Ten Commandments, it's sin. That's what all this is, that's what all, what all this is about. And we will either experience justice or mercy. Listen, God is just, and He must punish sin. He will punish sin. And it is a fearful thing to even consider standing before God and receiving His justice. Have you ever noticed the older you get, the more... I know at least with me, and maybe you've experienced this too, when, when I was young, I wanted justice. I wanted to see justice. The older I've gotten, the more I value mercy. The more I realize, boy, it is easy to jump to wrong conclusions. It's easy to make those wrong choices in the moment. And listen, you will either experience God's justice or you'll experience His mercy. God is just. He is the, he is the punisher of sin. The difference between those who experience His justice and His mercy on that last day is on the cross, Jesus bore the penalty. He, he bore the punishment, the wrath of God against sin. He bore this, the, the punishment of those who believe on Him. And if you've never put your faith in Him, if His, if his righteousness, if his, if his suffering has never been credited to your account, you will experience God's justice. And the Bible says that is eternity separated from God in hell. 
But the Bible also says that if we will put our faith in Christ, He bore our sins. He bore the punishment from God for our sins. If we'll put our faith in Him. The chastening for our well-being, the Bible says, fell upon Him. And if you'd have your sins forgiven, if you'd be made right with God, it's simple. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus for salvation. Repent and believe. Now, for those of us who have done that, this is, this is a, a message for us. Are we, are you, am I, guilty of the sin of partiality? Now, I may have other names. Racism, sexism, ageism, any of those isms. Do you turn a deaf ear and a blind eye to anything from that's, that's said or done from another point of view, and you say, I'm not even, nope, not even going to consider it. When people, when people come into the church, do you act one way towards the well-to-do and another way towards those who are not so well-to-do, those who can't pay you back if, if you were to do some kind of favor for them? Remember, with God, these things are all artificial distinctions. There's God, and there's everybody else. Level playing field. Now, I read a story this week that really kind of puts a point on all this. There's a, a rather affluent church, and there was a, um, a lady that was involved in custodial work. She ended up getting saved, and she had come to this church for a while, and she wanted to join the church. And so she went down, shared her testimony with the, with the preacher. You know, I've, I've been saved, I've been baptized, so on and so forth. And the preacher knew of her. And as he stood there, he thought, boy, she kind of smells like Lysol, Pine Sol. Clothes are kind of dirty. She doesn't really fit in with everybody else here. So he said, sister, uh, I'm, I'm so glad that you want to join the church, but why don't you go home and pray about it just to make sure. So she did, came back the next week, talked to him again. Same thing. This happened two or three times, and all of a sudden she stopped coming. And he happened to see her out in the community one day. Didn't want her to think that he was ignoring her or avoiding her, so he went and spoke to her and said, Hey, we've missed you at church the last few weeks. Are you still thinking about joining? And she said, Well, you know, preacher, I've, I, I did what you said, and I prayed, and I, God doesn't want me to join the church. I said, Really? Why is that? He said, Well, she said, Well, I'm. You know, Jesus said he's been trying to get in the church for years and had made it, so I didn't need to worry about it either. Now listen, you can be a shell of a church. You can be one where everybody smiles and shakes hands and goes to potlucks and is good friends, and Jesus ain't there. Listen, we need to be people that are welcoming, that don't show favoritism or partiality. Jesus said, as you've done unto the least of these, my brothers, what have you done? done unto me. Why don't you stand with, uh, as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, I just I just want you to honestly consider your own heart, your own mind, 
conversations you've had? What's your reaction when you read uh, posts online? What's your reaction when you see uh, news articles in the paper? You watch it on TV. Listen, this is not saying that all viewpoints are equally valid, because frankly, some of them are dumb. Not every truth claim is true. This is saying that when we judge by the externals, by the stuff that you can see, by the color of skin, the denomination a person goes to, uh, is a part of, the church one goes to, any of these things, whatever social group a person's in, when you judge by those things, that is a sin. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we know that um, we know that in this time and in our nation's history, there's a lot of stuff going on, and there are a lot of strong feelings one way or another. And God, we thank you that your word is appropriate and valid and timely in whatever area of history in which we live. And God, I pray that you would help each of us to not be guilty of the sin of partiality because that's one of those sins that creeps up and we, wanna, we can justify our own biases against whatever group it is. But according to your word, when we prefer one over another with no consideration to their spiritual character we only judge by the externals we end up looking down on those people that you've exalted and we exalt the people that you look down on God I pray that you'd help each of us to not be guilty of that help help us as a church to not be guilty of that we thank you that you spread your net wide for fish that aren't necessarily like us. And help us to reflect that in the way that we act and react, the way we approach people in life. And God, if there's somebody here who's who's guilty of that sin, maybe it's maybe maybe that's not their sin. Maybe they're guilty of, of other sins, but that sin has separated them from you. God, I pray that if they've never accepted Christ as their Savior, you would draw them today. Let them repent and believe. In Jesus' name.